up, everybody? Welcome back to First on Rundown. We are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. We don't have any Super Bowl talk today, unfortunately, but we do have a another kind of mixed bag of topics here. We've got NFL, college basketball, NBA, and PGA. We'll be rounding out the episode with PGA towards the end. It's a Saturday episode, as you guys know. Well, actually, today isn't even Saturday. It kind of just dawned on me. Um, yeah, yesterday we didn't have time to get this podcast going, so today we're we're doing it on Super Bowl Sunday at about 12 p.m. So we're getting this all in before before the big game, and we'll be excited to kind of talk about the result of the Super Bowl on Tuesday when we come out with our Tuesday episode. So this, again, even though it's a day late, this is not going to affect our, our future schedule for our Tuesday episode. So be ready for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've got an episode today, so make sure to stay tuned um, all the way through. In order, we've got NFL, college basketball, then NBA, then PGA. So um, yeah, if you guys want to, you know, skip skip around to, to different topics, if you're more interested in, in one than the other, then you guys can do that. But I advise you to stay tuned for the whole episode and kind of branch out if you don't if you don't like PGA then listen to PGA because it's going to be it's going to be a fun topic. I know that one's going to be pretty fun because the tournament that's being played this weekend is really fun. So, yeah, that we'll, we'll get to that later. But uh Matt, Matt's Matt's eating some donuts right now. How are those donuts? Yeah, man, you can't go wrong with Krispy Kreme. I mean, seriously, what are we doing here? They got the Valentine's special. We I mean, it's delicious. So, you know, that that's the reason that we're here. Uh no, the real reason we're here is to bring you guys to content. And as Hayden mentioned, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and that's when we're recording. Are you kidding me? If anything shows you that we are here for the people, for content, nothing does except for, well, nothing does better than uh, us being here recording a podcast on Super Bowl Sunday um, prior to the game. Again, you know, just kind of to... To get something out there, obviously we'll have a we'll have a regular Tuesday episode where we'll go over everything that happens uh, in the Super Bowl. But today we are here, as Hayden said, a smattering of topics, uh, just kind of updates on some sports that we haven't talked about too much in depth, but just also kind of a, a, a chill, laid back conversation. Um, so yeah. Alrighty, well, moving into the first topic, which is always NFL. We've got a story that surfaced earlier this week that. Kyler Murray removed all Cardinals related pictures, information, bio related stuff for, you know, from his Instagram and pretty much every social media that he has. Um, so now it's it's literally you look at Kyler Murray's profile on any social media and it's just it's just Kyler. Like it's not even you don't see any Cardinals stuff. You don't really see any quarterback stuff. You kind of just, you know, you just see him and it's 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 like he's a regular guy. And so this is typically what a lot of guys do when they're about to get traded or what when they're kind of, you know, looking for other places to go um, or if they have some kind of disagreement with the organization. This is what guys typically do. Now, we haven't heard anything about him being upset or possibly being traded. We haven't really heard much in the media about this, but people had noticed his social media being kind of bare this past week. So kind of the, the, the general question here is, you know, like what do we think is – what do we think is going on in Arizona? And, and, you know, what does this say about the Cardinals' future after such a promising season this year? I, this was just – this is a weird situation, right? I mean, and we – like Hayden said, we've seen this happen in the past, other athletes with other sports, with other teams. But, like, why now, <laughs> right, with Arizona? And especially, um, you know, after the good season that they had this year, they weren't really supposed to be anything special, but they, you know, had the best record in the league for – 
most of the season. Um, you know, kind of faltered a little bit later on there. Uh, you know, obviously Kyler Murray got hurt and then got trounced in the first round of the playoffs by the Rams. Um, but, you know, the Rams are in the Super Bowl and they're the favorite for the Super to win the Super Bowl and, you know, possibly could win it. So it's like, in that sense, yeah, the Cardinals, you know, they, they got beat pretty badly, but if they got beat by the Super Bowl winning team, then it's really not that bad of an end of the season there. Um, I, I'm just like, I don't know. I just, I usually tend to kind of side on the players um, side, whether that be, you know, in contract negotiations or, or, you know, with the CBA and stuff. But this is just one of those situations I think that Kyler Murray is just being a, a classic, like, millennial Gen Z and just like, oh, well, you know, something probably upset him or, or he wants, you know, more money or he, you know, wants the team to be better or something. So he's like, well, I'm just going to delete all my – it's like – I just think it's petty. I just think it's – there's no – there's not really much point to, like – you know, doing all this stuff just to be noticed. Cause it's like, people are going to take notice. Right. And then it creates this whole huge media story. And it's like, if he's not actually talking to the people who are, you know, at the top of the organization, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is the coach or, or whatever, like then, then there's no, this just creates so much added drama and unnecessary storylines that like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's just one of these things that like, you know, younger players do now where it's like, oh, well, you know, this one thing made me a little bit upset. So I'm just going to delete everything and I'm not actually going to talk to anyone. Um, so, so that's kind of, that's kind of my thing is like, I don't, I don't know why he did this again, probably, you know, we'll find out, but it's like after, right, after having such a good season and the Cardinals did all they could, they brought in JJ Watt, they brought in Chandler Jones. So it's like, you know, they've been building this team and, and you know, and they suffered some injuries. Obviously, Dondre Hopkins was hurt and, and Kyler Murray himself was hurt. Um, and so that's kind of the other thing about this, right? Is like, well, you guys lost, you know, I, th- I think it was like, you know, three out of the last five games or something. And it's like, mostly that was because of Kyler Murray. So it's like, why is he the one then who's like posting all this stuff or not posting, I guess the opposite of that, taking away all of his posts and, and, you know, disaffiliating himself with the organization when it's like, you know, you could technically be blamed for the losses that the Cardinals suffered as well as the loss in the playoffs because he looked terrible. He threw that, you know, the pick six on their own one yard line. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, You know, it's just, I, I don't know why, like like it shouldn't be a story but it is because because of how big social media is but like if he's if like if he's not doing anything about it and just taking the stuff off social media then like you're not gonna solve anything you're just gonna create more problems yeah we can't sugarcoat it and we have to say that he just he was not good at the end of the season like matt said he you know everybody thinks about that interception on his own two or three yard line or whatever um, in, the, in the playoff game against the Rams, when we think of kind of the end of Kyler Murray's season, which I think kind of suns up his season, his the end of his season. Also, uh, apparently, I, I, don't, I know the Pro Bowl, like, oh yeah, we were going to talk about the Pro Bowl today, which we might a little bit, but I guess I'm, I'm, I I'm going to talk about it here. But like, I think he was in the Pro Bowl and, and he kind of sucked in the Pro Bowl tool, uh, too, which again, that's not really a problem because the Pro Bowl doesn't matter at all and nobody really tries. So you could just be like, okay, well, I wasn't trying, but... I didn't watch much of the Pro Bowl, but I heard from other people that he just was so bad and he threw like a super bad uh, interception to, I think, J.C. Jackson or something. I don't know. But, yeah, it's like he's, he just has not been good at all towards the end of the season. And so maybe – I don't know. My, my guess is like maybe he got criticized by somebody or something. Maybe he heard some, some chatter in the, you know, kind of higher up in the organization about him. And so that, you know, maybe just kind of – take them off and then, you know, cause him to go and, and delete all of his social media stuff about the Cardinals, whatever the case may be. I just, 
again, I, I kind of, I'm taking the side that Matt's taking here. And it's just like, dude, if you're, you need to go talk to the org. Cause if there was any talk going on between him and the Cardinals, we would hear about it from one of those insider NFL guys. So the fact that we haven't heard anything really, but he's already deleted stuff off of social media means that, yeah, he probably hasn't mentioned anything, any kind of concern to the Cardinals organization. And he's, just he's basically just said okay I'm not a cardinal anymore which is is really weird but um, I mean I, I think Kyler Murray's still a good player I'm not trying to you know discredit him for uh, for that because he has shown really good stuff like I, I mean I think it's fair to say that he's shown more good than bad and he was like a leading candidate for the MVP yeah. before he got hurt so yeah exactly so I, I I think kind of the the consensus here for at least on my side is that like Kyler Murray. And again, like like Matt said, you know, players can do what they want, and and it's it's good that players are kind of taking charge on on what they want to do with their careers. But again, you've got to be it's still a professional league. Like you got to be professional, bring it up to the organization first, have a conversation with them, try to work it out that way, rather than just being the typical social media kid who just who yeah who just communicates everything so, through social media. And the other thing here too is like, you know. I feel like probably the biggest thing that he may be upset about is that just like it was just underwhelming. It was an underwhelming end to the season that had such promise uh, during the regular season. And like we think about all that kind of the steam that the Cardinals did have, which was, you know, they were playing really well. And, and so, again, assuming that his kind of upsetness comes from like him, you know, thinking that the Cardinals should have won more or should have gone deeper in the playoffs or whatever. Think about it this way, dude. The. The NFC Championship consisted of two teams from their division, from the Cardinals. Like, the NFC West is the best division of football. It was proven this year. And so, you know, yeah, like, the the, Car- the Rams won the division. The Cardinals were in second. The, you know, the 49ers were in third. But, like, the 49ers and Rams got to the NFC Championship. And either team could have won that game and, got, and been in the Super Bowl and very possibly would have won the Super Bowl, right? I mean, if the 49ers were playing the Bengals today, like, we, it would still be the same conversation. Like, who's going to – you know, it's like yeah. – so, um, so that's kind of the thing is, like, I, I think that – it's just a, it's just a tough situation to be in, and the Cardinals have been a losing franchise for however long now. Um, you know they got to the Super Bowl in like twenty ten or, or twenty two thousand nine or something, um, and obviously lost in in dramatic fashion with Antonio Holmes catching the back yeah. of the end zone. But yeah, so like that's that's also the thing here is like you know if if you're really upset that your team isn't winning as much as you think it should be. I don't know what you're going to do because, you know, if you're the Cardinals, like you're going to be in that, you're going to be in the division forever. And the, you know, the two coaches of, of the other two good teams in that division, obviously, you know, Sean McVay and, and Kyle Shanahan aren't going anywhere. And I don't think those teams are going anywhere in terms of the talent and, and, you know, and the quality, uh, you know, the solidness of their teams that they've kind of built up there. So, so that's, that's my other thing here too, is like, you know, it, it's going to be a tough, division to win games in and to you know to really kind of make the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs um but i think that instead of like shying away from that and being like oh well now i'm just not sure and i'm just going to take all the cardinal stuff off my like you should be wanting to play there you should be wanting to you know you know jazz up the fan base you know get more people out to the games really kind of you know enlighten your team and and, and you know get, get some motivation going so that you guys can kind of make a run like these other nfc west teams have but it's like this kind of example just shows that like it's like you know okay well if we don't go far enough then i'm just gonna give up and it's like that's not really what i see want to see from a franchise quarterback right yeah yeah i I think you're exactly right and the whole thing about i'm glad that you brought the, the 2009 super bowl against the steelers that the cardinals had that was the last time that they actually had like a pretty decent team if like if you think about it ever since they 
ever since I mean I guess you can argue the past years with Kyler Murray, but like this this year was probably their best year. Um, you know, even with Kyler Murray, and so if you think about it, they're they've only been on the uptrend ever since they got him, and right now he's all of a sudden he's just like, okay, I don't want to be a Cardinal anymore, and I just kind of want to leave behind everything that I've brought to the Cardinals. You can argue you can argue that Cliff Kingsbury is a, a big part of that as well, but like if they don't have Kyler Murray next year, I don't know. I, I guess I mean I don't even know who they would go for at this point, um, or or who they would try to get, but like if they don't have Kyler Murray, there it's it's very unlikely that they're going to do nearly as well as they have been doing. And, and so, I mean, again, that defense is, you know, they've gotten better too. Um, and, and I guess the backfield too with James Conner now and, and Chase Edmonds, that's a really good duo back there. And once DeAndre Hopkins comes back, like that's, that's the thing is like, they're, they're, they're a really good team. They just may, may be in a hard conference or in, in, in a tough conference. And that, yeah, that kind of sucks. But then again, it's like you kind of deserve, or you kind of um, receive, the most respect from from around the league, I guess, for for being in that kind of division. And it's like if you if you do end up losing in the playoffs early in the playoffs, or if you do end up, you know, kind of being one of those um, first teams out, um, you know, when it comes playoff time, it's like n- not everybody's looking at you as a disappointment because yeah, you have the Rams and the 49ers in your division, and those are those two teams got to the NFC Championship this year. So it's just like. I think I think Kyler Murray, and again, we're kind of I think here we're kind of diagnosing problems that may not be the case. It may just be something that happened between Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, or you know, the, Kyler Murray and the GM. But like, it's I think what we're trying to get at here is like why it just seems a little bit weird that he's doing this now and that he's not really looking at the bigger picture of that he has he actually does have a good team compared to a lot of other you know kind of younger quarterbacks in the NFL. And the thing, too, is, like, you know, I think Cliff Kingsbury is kind of coming up to some fire, especially with the first couple of years with the Cardinals where – well, I think and even even coming into the um, coming into the season, and me and even Hayden even had, a uh, like, an entire kind of topic on one of our episodes of the podcast earlier a couple months ago where we were saying, like, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has gotten all this hate for, like, you know, oh, he had a losing record at Texas A&M. He only got a head coach job in the NFL because he coached Patrick Mahomes. Um, but, like – he's turned things around quite clearly. Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, the GM has, has a role in, you know, picking players and all that stuff, but like, at least for the system that he presented, uh, you know, I think it was, I think it was fine. And like, like we said too, like, you know, in the time that, that Kyler Murray was hurt, Colt McCoy was the quarterback for the, for the Cardinals. And he went two and one in their three games that he was out. So it's like, clearly there was enough there with the defense and the, you know, and the, and the, the skill position on offense and stuff like that to still, you know, provide them with a quality enough team to be, to be competing, even when you don't have your best player in Kyler Murray. So that's, I think, not really an excuse, right? It's like, I mean, unless, right, unless Cliff Kingsbury is like some, like, maniac, like, you know, super, like, uh, like you know, selfish, like, or, or, like guy who's causing all these problems. Like, you know, it's like, I, I don't even really know what to say because it's like, I feel like he's not doing that type of stuff. And if yeah. he is, then, you know, maybe it'll come out. But, like, you know, I think he's, I think he's doing all he can there. And, and then the other thing, too, like, the other side of this is, like, even if Kyler Murray does want to get traded or go somewhere else, like, where are you going to go, dude? Like, there's not yeah. that many. And that's the always the theme of, or at least, you know, kind of now more in the in the modern NFL is, like, you're not going to go anywhere if you don't have a quarterback. And so, yes, he's a proven quarterback and could, you know, lift a team to a better record or, or whatever. But it's like all of the top 
teams that you know have made the playoffs and gone gone deep into the playoffs have an established franchise quarterback that's going to be with them for you know the next few years at least. I mean, obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen are basically like lifetime, you know, for their organizations. Um, you know, obviously, Green Bay's having a little trouble with Aaron Rodgers, but like they'll get that under control. Um, the 49ers, obviously, you know, they're going to let go of Jimmy G, but like they spent their entire future on time on you know Trey Lance so they're not just going to be like oh yeah we'll trade for Colin Murray too and then like have a competition you like you know you wouldn't yeah. do that so it's like if he does go somewhere it's going to be like you know what are you, you going to go to Chicago like no they just drafted Dutch Fields like the Dolphins no they have two so it's like yeah. all these all these I don't know I just think that like even if he does want to go somewhere it's like you're probably not going to go somewhere where or the place that you end up is not going to be as good of a situation and you're not going to get as many wins as you would you know if you just stayed with the Cardinals because I, right it might be it, it is tough to play in the best division in football I get that and it sucks to lose to a divisional opponent that badly on Monday Night Football in the first round of the playoffs. But, but you know, still, if, that, if that's the team that ends up winning the Super Bowl, then that's something to hang your hat on, to be honest, right? It's like, yeah, you just went up, up against a buzzsaw. So, like, I, I think that's the other thing is, like, you know, right, with Cl- Cl- Cliff Kingsbury, like, he – He's done all he can. He's turned it around. They, they, you know, they have hope in the organization for who, for years, you know, didn't really have much. Um, now they do. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, well, if you do want to go somewhere else, I mean, obviously, right. You know, if it's like an, if it's a terrible environment, he like, you know, comes to work every day and hates his life, then, then sure you go to somewhere else and, and you're okay losing. But it's like, if your ultimate goal here is to be the best quarterback, you can be the best quarterback in the league, you know, win a Super Bowl, do all that stuff that, that you know, that is, is kind of the classic like NFL career um, to maximize your potential. You'd want to stay with an organization that's going to get you more wins, get a better chance to win a Super Bowl and our MVP and all that stuff um, than just going to some other random team that's not that great so um yeah so i, I think that kind of that kind of wraps that up. and again you know maybe all of this is for naught and he just was being weird and sad for a couple couple days sometime and he'll be back and nothing will be you know nothing will be made of this it was just like i think i just kind of want to point out the fact that it's just like and, and me and hayden talked about this is like you 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 if there's a problem you should go talk to the people who are causing the problems or or you know for you want something like Go ask for something, right? Like, have a conversation with these people instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to play this social media stunt and, you know, and get everybody all fired up when it's like the Cardinals probably they, – they were probably blindsided by this um, because I'm sure that if he went to talk to them, they would be like, okay, you know, we'll make a compromise. We'll do something, whatever. We'll set you up with this, whatever. And he wouldn't have been moved to the point of I'm going to delete all my social media stuff where it's like he probably just did that first, you know, he – acted without thinking or acted without talking to someone and then it just creates this whole thing and then now the cardinals are sitting there like are we gonna lose our franchise quarterback what are we gonna do you know it just creates way more problems than it solves yeah and and it it even like puts a bad light on him i feel like if he were to go to the cardinals organization and and talk to whoever kind of started the problem or whoever whatever source the problem is is coming from if, if he were to kind of attack that source and that was brought to the media's attention. I think that would be that would put a better light on him because then he is addressing the problem, and then it kind of puts the problem on somebody else. But now, like all we can look at since he deleted his stuff off of social media, all we can look at is him. Like we've been talking about Kyler Murray and how we don't know, you know, what he's gonna do on another team, or we we don't know why he's leaving because he has such a good team. I think we're taught we're saying all this stuff because all we can really talk about is him because we don't know anything else about the situation. So like he's. I think he's kind of even like digging himself in the hole of what are you doing, dude? Because again, like if we were if we were to know to if we were to know the rest of the situation, whatever it may be, then maybe we would be able to bash somebody else for whatever he's doing right now. But we're only able to bash him, which I think is kind of funny because yeah, he kind of like 
kind of did it to himself, but I, I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's a sticky situation, and I'm excited to see what what comes out of this because again, yeah, like there hasn't been any. It's literally all we can say is like he he has green light period, and then like I think a bunch of like Japanese lettering in his bio right now. He doesn't he doesn't have Arizona Cardinals anything, so it's like. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on, but um, but yeah. Yeah, it definitely is a little weird. Um, okay, so let's move on to college basketball. So this past week, uh, we saw Duke fall to UVA, Kansas fell to Texas, and then Auburn fell to Arkansas. So, I mean, obviously, you know, those are all t- top ten teams. Auburn was number one. They'd only lost one game so far, and, and then, you know, obviously they lost. Um the outlier here probably is, is Duke losing, losing to UVA because Duke was at home. You know, they're in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Therefore, they had absolutely no reason to lose this game. And they never even were really leading until, like, the last minute of the game. And then UVA hit a, you know, hit a, hit a clutch three there with, like, a second left. Um, but, yeah, UVA was winning the whole game. I was watching most of it, and it was just, you know, Duke could never really get, get their offense going, um, which is what UVA does to you. But it's also, like, you yeah. know, you can never really rely on UVA to score. So if you're going up against them as Duke, you're like, all right, like, whatever. Like, you may stop us a little bit, but it's like you're – you know, we can't really, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to be scared of, of UVA, you know, scoring like 80 points on us. But anyway, um, but yeah, so let's just talk about these games in general, these teams, these upsets and everything. Um, is there anything to worry about with these top teams or, or, and, uh, and others? Cause you know, we've had some, some other close games and, and near losses in the past week as well. Um, as we head into kind of the, the, the backstretch of the season and kind of the final, um, few regular season games here heading into the conference tournament time. Yeah, so I just wanted to talk about or start off talking about Duke and UVA because obviously I I still go to UVA and so I was watching that game with my roommate and it was awesome to see us you know hit that hit that game winner at the end. Reese Beekman's a beast, but um but yeah, it's like UVA was able to beat Duke when you know when Duke was at home. It's like what it, I still haven't even really comprehended that. It, it's it's still kind of so surreal and we actually play. You've, I mean, we actually played Duke uh, at home in like a week or week and a half or something like that coming up. So, I mean, we have the home field. I mean, home court advantage there, and I'm hopefully I'm going to be able to go to that game. It'll be sweet. Um, so yeah, that's coming up. But it's like one thing about that game that I thought was really interesting was was the interior defense by Duke. Apparently, like I think it was, um, I think UVA had a total of like 45 points at one point, and I think like 38 of their points. 38 of their um, 45 points had come from inside the paint. And it was just like – Which, like, never happened. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, we have no offense, basically. And we we get a lot of our points based off of, you know, turnovers and, and, and I guess, shot clock violations. You're forcing the other team in the shot clock violations and kind of building momentum off of that. But it's like um, – but, yeah, like, we, we haven't been a good three-point shooting team all season either, which that kind of showed in that game as well. But – I was just really, really surprised about how Duke just couldn't handle us inside. It, it was literally we would just drive with Kihei Clark, who's our point guard, our really small point guard. He would drive, and then everybody would flock to him, and then he would just dish it out to either Francisco Cafaro or Jaden Gardner or one of those guys. Um, and and Jaden Gardner is not even like a, a big dude. I mean, he I think he's six six, but he's he's strong. Like he's he's big, um, I guess buff wise, but he's not really tall. But he plays inside, and he plays like a a normal, a normal big that's like six ten. So, um, yeah, that was really cool to see to to, to kind of see that interior offense get going against Duke because again, Duke is one of the best teams in the country and they've been kind of showing a little, um, you know, kind of some some faulty stuff lately, especially losing against us. So uh, yeah, that's that's one thing I wanted to say about that game. It's just like it's that was really surprising to see. 
Um, but it, it kind of gives me hope for, for UVA down the stretch, and it kind of does make me a little bit scared of, of picking Duke in the tournament when it comes tournament time. Yeah, and then it's just kind of hit on the other games too. Um, Kansas lost to Texas, and, and that was another one. Kansas was pretty much winning the whole game. It was closer, um, but Kansas was winning the whole game. Um, and, and just kind of as a, as a journal statement here, the way the college basketball works, and we may have talked about this a little bit too, is like if if you're on the road, if you're playing on the road against any team, it is so much harder to win, and that's why we see a lot of these team top teams fall so often is that they're playing on the road and. and you know, because you're in another team stadium, just the way that, you know, basketball arenas are set up, like the, the fans are basically on the court with you and it's, you know, it's, it's a closed in space and there's less seats. And so, you know, when the crowd starts yelling, it gets super loud. And obviously, you know, momentum is a huge thing in any sport. Basketball, you know, specifically is, just, is a game of runs. Anybody will always tell you that. Um, and so it's just, you know, you have so much more momentum with the, with the crowd being there and just being used to the baskets and the way that the floor works and everything at your home stadium. And so that was kind of the crazy thing about, you know, about what UVA was able to do, especially at Duke, because, you know, they rarely lose at, at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So, um, you know, kind of on the other side of that, though, obviously Kansas was at Texas and Texas won, um, but had like a crazy sequence in the last minute where, you know, they, they scored like seven points and um, you know, ended up winning the game. Um Auburn, same deal. They were at Arkansas, lost in overtime, right? So it's like, you know, there there have been other close games, but these top teams kind of continue to fall, which I think is good because it shows that really any team can win on any given night. There's also been a couple other ones, I think, since we, you know, since we were kind of had, had this down here. Um, Purdue, was it Purdue losing to Michigan? Was that this past week where they lost by like 20? I know Michigan beat someone. I think it was Purdue. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or someone, but I think it was another top 10 team, you know, that just got blown out um, on the road, obviously, still. But, but yeah, um, so that happened. And then UCLA was, I think, I think that was, like, last week, maybe, or it was, like, kind of last weekend or something. Um, they lost to Arizona, obviously, and, and that kind of was, you know, Arizona won by, by a good amount. And Arizona's just, I don't know, again, like, one of those teams that, they always like they had a few down years, but even you know five six years ago they were always in the top ten, and, and it's it's kind of crazy how much basketball talent they do have out there, and they're able to kind of um, you know they're kind of able to continue you know putting good teams out on the court, and it's just you know kind of one of those random schools you wouldn't think of that's always good, but but they just are, and so they had a good win against UCLA, and then UCLA also lost last night to USC um, in a you know in a pretty thrilling game, so you know so now UCLA is going to be like almost out of the top twenty five yeah. after starting the year, and you know for being at like number two or number three for most of the year. Um, you know, so that was another huge upset or I guess kind of string of upsets there. Um, and then I'm trying to think of who I feel like there was, there was another t- uh, top 10 team that lost, maybe not, but, but I mean, overall, like, you know, it's just kind of been shaken up a lot over the past few weeks. And again, it's, it's just, it's awesome to see all these, you know, big teams, be, you know, go down um, and these smaller teams get, get a bunch of wins. Um, and so that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing is like for, in terms of like the rankings, top 10 and stuff, I think that, I mean, and, and we said this before the college basketball season even started is like, yeah, okay, Gonzaga had two losses early to like, you know, obviously quality teams, but haven't lost a game since. They haven't lost a conference game. They're winning all their games by, you know, 20, 30 points. Um, so like, and they're going to take over number one, obviously, because Auburn's going to fall. So Gonzaga's going to fall, you know, go up to number one. And then they'll continue to do that and they'll win the conference tournament. So it's like Gonzaga's going to enter, enter March Madness as the number one overall seed again nobody knows like what they're going to be able to do because in the tournament, like they always end up playing teams that they had quality teams that they don't face during the regular season. They get their doors blown off. Um, 
So, but yeah, so they've been, yeah, I mean, obviously they're, they're going to kind of continue to be in the top 10 here. As I said, Arizona, as I mentioned, they, you know, they've been, they had a good win over USC too. So, um, you know, so they're looking like definitely a top five team could probably get a number one seed as we head into March Madness here. And then Kentucky is the other one where kind of like, you know, I, I obviously as we mentioned, like the SEC in college basketball has just been extremely, just really good this year. Um, with you know a lot of their teams you know have 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 great records um, and are ranked and, and everything like that, but Kentucky's just one of those teams that you know as 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 always John Calipari just brings in five McDonald's All American five stars uh, you know and starts them all and they just figure it out right towards the end of the season. Um, and in past years it's interesting because in past years it's kind of been like okay they've been flirting around they've been in the rankings they get like a you know like a five seed or something and then they make a run in the tournament right. Whereas this year it's like they've already got it together before we even start the conference tournaments. So I think Kentucky definitely a team to watch out for um you know as kind of the conference tournaments and march madness start up here because they i mean they went to can they went to kansas and won by like 20 uh like two weeks ago so yeah so definitely definitely some, some good and then like um i think texas tech is now in the top 10 um because they had they had some good wins and they've been they've been winning on the road too so um yeah so definitely just a bunch of crazy upsets and, and good which is good for the sport like you know like we've been saying is you know these i i feel like we, we had a topic, I think, a couple weeks ago where we were kind of saying, like, is it bad that there hasn't been, like, kind of that one team or those couple teams that are winning all their games and that, you know, when you go into March Madness, it's like, is every, everybody's going to pick them to win their bracket? Is anyone going to be able to beat this team that's, like, undefeated? But it's only, it's honestly better. I feel like there's more storylines when there are these big upsets where it's like, you know, the teams get highly ranked. And sure, they may not be as quality as other times, but, like when they go down, it's a huge story and you see it all over the sports center and stuff. And so I, I like that. I think it's, I think it's good. And, and obviously, you know, it is going to provide for the most entertainment, obviously, as we approach March madness here and just kind of, you know, the, the, the inherent randomness uh, with that. So, yeah, so I'm super excited for it and glad to see all these upsets happening. And, and obviously we're going to have a lot more um, kind of as like Hayden mentioned, as we, you know, as we kind of end the season, here. I think there's only, um, I think there's only like maybe five games, seven games yeah, left, something, something like that. that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, one team, and Matt kind of mentioned this, but one team I'm really, really low on is, is UCLA. Like, they they had that stretch of games or stretch of two games where they lost against Arizona when Arizona was at home, and also the next game after that they lost they lost against Arizona State at Arizona State. So they right now they just hate Arizona. Like, and and those are two Pac-12 teams again, like teams that could beat them in, in the in the Pac-12 tournament, and it's just like. Those conference tournaments in college basketball, first of all, are just are, are so crazy. I mean, we saw, um, we saw. I think it was like, yeah, it was Oregon State last year who 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 won the Pac-12, and they all of a sudden became this like really hot team in the in the, in the tournament, um, and and that was cool to see. And so like that's one of the things that this year I'm looking out for with UCLA is like they if they you know again if they if they do kind of bad in the in in the Pac-12 tournament. They might not even really do well in the in the in the I mean in in the actual tournament, um, and you know I, I guess it kind of depends on what what seed they get. But right now I think they're number like twelve or something, uh, something crazy like that. And Arizona is back up at like four. But at at the time when they lost to Arizona, Arizona was I think number six or something, and then uh, UCLA was number three. So yeah, UCLA is just a, a, a weird team. They've also had some injuries too. I think. Um, I, I think Johnny Juzang was out for, for a good bit of time there. And then they have that other guy, Jamie Hawkes, I think, who's like, who's really good. Um, but I think he's kind of had some hot and cold spots throughout the season. So again, 
we'll kind of see, you know, if, if they can get it together towards the end of the season, then that'll be better. But, yeah, UCLA is probably the team that I'm most scared of picking in the tournament as of now. Again, like I said, Duke is, is another one that's kind of a little bit faulty for me. But um, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. If if we if UVA beats Duke again when, when UVA is at home, then I'm really going to be like, okay, Duke is – bad because UVA is heating up towards the end of the season here, which it would be crazy to see them even make the tournament at this point. Cause literally up until probably pretty much up until they beat Duke um, on Monday, they, they had like no chance basically to make the tournament unless they won somehow won the ACC tournament. Um, but now they actually, I, I think do if, if we win like f- five of our next six or something like that, then I, I guess somehow we get in um, and we'll, we'll be a lower seed, but yeah, that that would be cool to see if, if, if we can do that. Um, we meaning UVA, obviously. But yeah, I mean, like the Kansas, the Kansas fall in the Texas thing. I was really high on Kansas earlier in the season. They beat somebody. I forget. Oh yeah, didn't they beat like Baylor or something? They beat Baylor by like over ten points, I think, earlier in the season. Something they, like that. Well, they beat Baylor last Saturday. Yeah. By like thirty. Um, yeah. But again, it yeah, was yeah. it was it was you know it was at uh, the it was at home for Kansas, so you know that's. Uh, but yeah, Baylor's another good team too that like nobody really talks about, and they just have a bunch of players. They lost some in the draft, obviously. Um, but yeah, bringing back a bunch of players from the championship team, you know, last year. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so another kind of top seed there. I don't even know. I don't think they're. They still. I think they're still in the top ten. I'm not exactly I don't, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't have yeah. it pulled up. But yeah, again, like I was, I was high on Kansas after they beat. They had that huge win over Baylor because again, Baylor is one of those teams. Baylor was ranked number one for a good part of that uh, of the beginning of the season. There, um, they've kind of fallen a, a little bit since then. But yeah, I, can't, I was really high on Kansas, and then all of a sudden they lose to Texas, which again, it's not really surprising. Texas, I think, was number twenty when they when they um, beat. Can- I guess they they probably still are because the the rankings have yet to come out. Um, I guess the new rankings have yet to come out, but yeah. And then the the Auburn to Arkansas or Arkansas game was just crazy. I was watching that with with my roommate because he actually had a bet on it. Um, he had it was like I think he did Auburn plus five. It was one of those where you like pick your own spread, and so he did Auburn plus five, and it went into overtime. And that dude, that's one thing that I think well, me and him or my my roommate and I both agree on this, and it's that like if you bet on a spread or something. That should only count for regulation. If it goes into overtime, I feel like it should be like it should hit. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. It, do you feel that way? Like, do you feel that same well, way about? No, because the the spread is like also technically associated with the. So yeah, I mean, I can see with the spread it's different, but it's like, I mean, the spread is over the course of the full game. So it's like in in both scenarios. Like, think about if you had. You know, if, if you had Auburn, you know, minus three and a half in that game and it goes to overtime, like you would lose your bet in, in overtime. What if they go to overtime and they win by seven? You win your bet. So it's like I think it just should be over the course of the over the course of the game. Um, I don't know. I mean, if there's a tie. So like so like this year in the NFL, right, the the, the Lions and the Steelers tied. Um, and if you pick the the Lions were, were getting like seven points or whatever, you, if you took the spread with the Lions, you won your bet because yes, they tied, but they covered the spread because you know, it, it was just, yeah. the point difference was zero. So it's like you win your bet if you tie, but it's like, it, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the over, I don't know. I think that's just how it's always been. And so, because I've always, I mean, I've been doing this for however long, I'm yeah. just like always so used to it. So I haven't really thought about that, I guess, but, um, I can understand why I can understand, I guess from both sides, but then it's like. I think the argument kind of is like if it goes into overtime, like the team that's the underdog automatically wins every single bet that goes to overtime. Yeah. Whereas like 
you know, if it goes to overtime and the, the, the team that was favored actually ends up covering the spread, then it's like that team, you know, so I think that that probably is kind of the, the way to do it because you actually have to have a winner and, you know, a final score at the end of the day. So, yeah, it just makes it more interesting and random, I guess, which that's kind of betters objective or I mean, I'm sports books objectives is, is to like basically make it more random and more in favor of them because yeah, again, if if the game goes into overtime, then the underdog wins every time. That makes sense. I didn't really think about that, but um, but yeah, I think I think my roommate Will he had like, I think it was Auburn plus four and a half, and he was just freaking out because it kept on going from, you know, the, it was like, um, it was like Arkansas was was winning by, I don't know, five, and then they were winning by like three, and then they they kept on trading baskets. So it was like at one point. He was like throwing the, the the remote around, and then the next like, and then uh, Auburn would make a shot, and then he would be like, "Oh no, it's okay." Like I think Jabari Smith hit two really cl- like really clutch threes towards the end. They still lost, but that's like Jabari Smith is the reason why Will won that bet is because because they only lost by I think four. So like, yeah, so he he just slid by with that. Um, so yeah, there you go, Jabari Smith, dude. Those two shots towards the end, like if they would have won that, if they would have won the game. Um, and and Jabari Smith obviously hitting those two three pointers at the end there like if they would have won Jabari Smith I think would probably be solidified as as the number one pick I don't know that that was just like a really big moment and they were back to back it was it was so sweet to see um, but yeah I, I don't really have much else to say about this Matt do you have anything else to say about No I'm good let's move on to NBA so. Obviously, the biggest story here is that the James Harden for Ben Simmons trade actually happened, despite our stern disagreement with it. And like a 20 minute discussion on the last podcast that is basically all for nothing at this point, because we especially me, I was going off. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Never do the trade. They're not going to say yeah. And it actually worked out. Um, So kind of for this time, we're going to talk about kind of what transpired to make this trade happen, as well as, you know, kind of maybe our a little bit of, you know, kind of. uh you know, prognostication for, for what we're going to be seeing as kind of the rest of the regular season, ha- uh, you know, plays out as well as the, uh, as well as the playoffs. I think just to start out, um, it, it, I, I guess I kind of misjudged where the leverage lie laid here. Um, <laughs> lie laid lied. Um, and, and so really what we had here was Ben Simmons, a player who, did not want to play in Philadelphia, who was actively not playing the basketball games. Um, and then we had James Harden, who was actively didn't want to play in Brooklyn, who was still actively playing the basketball games, but not trying hard, not showing up on time, not performing to his best ability. And that, I mean, obviously, after we see all of this happen and the trade comes through and, you know, and everything gets decided – it actually made sense, and so that's kind of where I want to, you know, I, I said on the podcast on, tu- on Tuesday, I was like, if this actually happens, I will come on and I would admit that I'm wrong, and I am admitting that I'm wrong right now, but I think what I failed to see is that I was just looking at it too too narrowly. I was looking at it from the perspective of the organizations and, the, you know, the GMs and the player personnel and everything that went into just, like, making a basketball team. I didn't recognize or I guess give enough credence to the player empowerment that has transpired over the NBA over the course of, you know, five to ten years now where, like, the players have more power. And, again, that's good. That's what I – you know, I'm glad that that's a thing. 
because they deserve to have you know they are the they are the entertainment they are the players they are the you know the the, the reason that this thing ever even exists so that's kind of what made this trade happen on a very very fundamental obviously there was you know behind the scenes there was details on this, but on a very fundamental level both players didn't want to play for the team that they were playing for currently and they wanted to play for the team that they were going to be traded to and so that i mean that's really all that there was to say here um and then obviously the you know the gms were kind of just like wait okay yeah so like we're just gonna trade player for player um you know so so i think kind of then the question here becomes like you know who won the trade i don't know i mean you know i think that i think that both situations are probably going to be better i think that both teams are going to be better as a result of this because i think that the way that the nets work with you know with how many scorers they have and everything like ben simmons will be able to move the ball around you know get it to the players who matter without having to be relied on as a scorer himself whereas on the other hand in philadelphia now you have a you know a primary ball handler um who can take a lot of the pressure away from joel Embiid, who's basically been having to do the ball handling skills or ball handling duties and the inside work and the three point. I mean, he's been doing everything right. Um, so now you have Harden who will take a lot of that away from him, you know, garner a lot more attention from the defense and then let Joel Embiid, you know, kind of go to work inside. So I think that it works out better for both teams. Um, obviously Brooklyn, because they traded the better player in James Harden get more as a result in terms of draft picks and, you know, and, and, and other players. But, but yeah, I think that in terms of the quality of the teams, they're both going to be better as a result of this. So if like, both teams get better and then both players are happy because they wanted to be at the you know the place that they're at now then i guess the trade makes sense and that's pretty much why it went through yeah i i think what you said about kind of us looking at the the situation too narrowly last episode is totally right because again if you if you think about it from the standpoint of players being unhappy and player obviously if if, if a player is unhappy he's not going to perform as well as he would if he was happy so I think if you look at look at well, and also yeah, Ben Simmons wasn't even playing. Period. So it's like at at that point, the Sixers had nothing to lose, and that's that's really what why they were begging the Nets is because like they had this dude that was literally just a weight on their shoulders, and they just wanted to get rid of him, and he wanted to leave too. So it it was a it was a mutual thing in Philadelphia, but in in Brooklyn, it was obvious that the Nets wanted to keep James Harden. But it was one of those things where like I think once the news came out and once the story kind of developed James Harden took that as an opportunity to kind of say, yeah, I, I kind of do want to go there. Right? I, I do want to leave Brooklyn um, for whatever reason it was, it was, and this happened, this other like kind of weird thing happened where the all-star game, they, they picked the all-star teams this, um, I, I think it was like Friday, Thursday or Friday. And team LeBron has, I think it was, yeah. Team LeBron. Um, wait, Oh, wait, okay, so the the two t- captains were LeBron and, and Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Team LeBron ended up getting James Harden as his last pick because Kevin Durant gave gave up the, the, the chance to, to, I guess, pick Harden um, as the second-to-last pick. And that was kind of interesting because it was like a lot of people expected him to get – to expected uh, Kevin Durant to get James Harden for his All-Stars team, but he, like, basically passed him up and, and went for – a, I forget who he got, but he went for basically like a worse choice and gave James Harden to LeBron. And that's probably because of what happened um, this past week in, in the Ben Simmons and James Harden trade. So that was kind of interesting to see as well. But um, but yeah, like it, it does make sense now. And, and again, both of us were wrong. I actually did. One thing that I did say last episode was that if I was James Harden, I would be looking at the situation kind of optimistically 
in terms of, yeah, that wouldn't be bad to be traded to the 76ers, especially if – I mean, yeah, they, they let go of Seth Curry and kind of their, you know, a couple of their kind of role players there that, that helped out Joel Embiid a little bit. But at this point, yeah, you've got – possibly a top five player in the NBA working alongside another top five player in the NBA. So it's like, you know, you got two top fives. Um, so I, I guess you can say, well, what's better is, is it better to have like a big three with a guy that isn't really considered a top five guy in the NBA right now, or is it better to have a big two with two top five players in the NBA? So I don't know. That's again, like I, I kind of have the same stance as Matt where I think that both teams won this trade. Um, I, I think that the Nets, if, if you really want to kind of nitpick, I think the Nets kind of did win more because they, they got such a good player in Ben Simmons. Because we, we, we keep on forgetting, like, the reason Ben Simmons wasn't doing well is because I think he was getting down on himself. And obviously, you know, the fans were criticizing, criticizing him and everything. So he just didn't want to play even towards the end of last season. And then this season, he, had, he still hasn't been playing. So it's like Ben Simmons is still a really good player. And I think we're going to see that in Brooklyn. I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting that. Um, and and Brooklyn just got yeah they got like two first round picks right something like that with along with um, yeah along it with was South a twenty twenty three first round and then a twenty twenty seven first round protected which is we we I mean that's it's like depending on how well the other team yeah, does and yeah. yeah so yeah but but they did get two first round picks essentially yeah yeah exactly so so I I think the the Nets kind of won this trade by a little bit but. I think I think the 76ers will be just fine, and um, it, it'll be kind of exciting to see what happens um, throughout the rest of the season, Matt. If you want to start talking about the kind of like the, do you have anything anything to say about the the, the rest of the season regarding like how we think the Sixers will fare with with Harden and and um, the the Nets with Simmons? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that based on let's look at where each team is right now, right? I mean, the the Sixers are in first in the East, and the Nets have you know gone they went on their eight game losing streak and. You know, and now that and and so they're you know they're well down there in the playoff structure. So it's actually I was going to mention this on on Tuesday, but I forgot. It's pretty interesting to think because at first you might think be like, oh, they, you know, there was a bunch of games. Wouldn't it be weird if and maybe Brooklyn will lift the whole COVID structures, but everything. But because Kyrie's only playing their away games, wouldn't it be weird if like you know obviously kind of. Um, uh, conspiracy theory here like yeah. if the nets are basically purposely trying to lose so they have a lower seed so they play more away games and that way Kyrie can play more games oh, i thought about dude. that on tuesday and i was like wait that's crazy that actually could have been a reason but no, obviously <laughs> they i mean you know maybe they're trying to manipulate it i don't know but it would be interesting if if, if obviously new york doesn't lift their uh their covid restrictions so um which could i think could fare better so who knows but i don't know i think that like there's going to be essentially two months left of the regular season, um, which I think is plenty of time for both players to kind of get ingrained in the offense and, and you know, be able to end defense and be able to, um, you know, kind of work with their team. And, and obviously just I think the morale, right, of both players is going to be higher. And so both players are coming to their new team being like, you know, let's let's do this, right? Let's let's all – let's get together. Let's, let's start playing hard and let's make a run here in the playoffs. And so I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on how – I think it depends on how the Nets are going to be able to, because KD's still out, right? And he's going to be out probably for most of the rest of the regular season. So, like, in terms of the rest of the regular season, like, record-wise and seeding-wise, the, the Sixers are still going to be way better. I mean, they they might probably, um, if the, you know, if the Bulls don't make another run here, the Sixers will probably end up with the number one overall seed. But the Nets obviously are going to get, you know, the best player in the NBA, like, currently right now, back, you know, for the playoffs. And, and 
And that's one thing I like. As much as people talk about KD, like, oh, you know, the social media stuff and whatever, like, the one thing I do like about him is that he just literally, you know, he goes out there and plays. And it's yeah. like, no matter what the situation is, like, you know, he, he plays as hard as he can and he does, he does, you know, as much as he can for his team. So I think that with all the drama going on, I think that could negatively affect the Nets more than the Sixers just because the Sixers have had this plague of Ben Simmons in their team and around their team for the entire season so far and they've still done well despite it now they get him shipped off and they get a guy top five player in James Harden who actually wants to play for them their morale is going to be a lot higher than the Nets who like you know James Harden didn't like Kyrie at first and then there's been the whole Kyrie drama I think Kyrie's probably negatively affected most players on the team and the you know organization as a whole KD, you know, he was playing, he was having an ungodly season to begin it. Now he's hurt. He's going to be out. So it's like they, the Nets, I think are going to be, it's going to take a little longer for them to kind of get going, but they have the better overall team, right? So that's going to be the, uh, I, I think it's going to set up for a pretty, a pretty good playoffs where if the Nets can get things going, once Ben Simmons gets there, finds his role, Kyrie kind of mixes in and, and, and plays well. And then obviously getting KD back, like, what, you know, if they end up playing in the playoffs, that's going to be like the, the, the coolest part, right? It's like, look, think about an Eastern Conference Finals with the Nets and the Sixers after all this happened. Um, and, and again, you know, personally, like, I, I think the Nets would probably win that series. But, like, you know, that's why they play it, right? You never know. So, like, that's kind of the thing here is, like, regular season-wise, the Sixers probably have the better situation right now. Playoffs-wise, I think the Nets can really make a run. Yeah, and I think the other question that is, is looming in everybody's mind is is the question of, like, is Ben Simmons really ready to play? Because the thing is, he hasn't played all season, and yeah, he's probably been working out and 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 doing his, I guess, like basketball stuff. Um, I guess practicing, not really with the team, but just by his, by himself. Yeah, but and he's like, also he's also one of those guys who like will post workout videos on Instagram yeah. of him making like five threes in a row, and it's like. How about you try that in a game? Because every yeah. time you get the chance to, you absolutely blow it or you just look scared and you pass it away. Yeah, exactly. Like game game time situations are so much different than practice. And so he hasn't he hasn't been in a game for a really long time, you know, like basically almost a year. So at this point, it's that that's a that's a really big question too is like is, you know, Harden's pro- I mean, um, Simmons is probably going to be pretty rusty coming in there. Um and he he I don't even know if he's going to like play um, very very soon like he, he might be practicing with them a lot but he might not play um, really a lot until like he kind of gets down the whole um, the whole like scheme that the Nets do or whatever which probably doesn't take that much time to learn because it's basketball and it's not as uh, it's it's not as like the, the plays and kind of the setups aren't as intricate as I guess like a football offense would be um, but it's st- I mean still again like game time just just the idea of endurance and and being able to play a full game and and kind of being able to like catch your breath after each possession like that's that's probably gonna be pretty hard on Simmons too um it's it's all different even if he's been conditioning it's it's gonna be different so I think we might see Ben Simmons be a little bit shaky in um in Brooklyn which again that's (laughs) that might not uh turn over well in in Brooklyn but he's he's gonna find his way and I and again once they get KD back they're, they've got the most talent in the league at that point with with Simmons, KD, and uh, Kyrie Irving playing. And honestly, like that that conspiracy theory that Matt came up with, I didn't even think of that. But now that's like that's all I can think about with with this trade is like that may have been an incentive, um, which is which is crazy to think that a team would do that. But again, like if you have Kyrie, you have a, a lot better chance of winning. Just period point blank. Um, so that that that's really interesting too, which will. You know, we'll we'll see how that goes, but um, 
now that we're done with NBA, let's move into PGA here. We've got the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and Matt talked a little bit about this last last episode. He kind of gave a little bit of a sneak peek, um, but this is a very different tournament than basically every other golf tournament, every other golf open um, across the whole entire year, right? So it, it's it's such it's such a whack tournament because it's like they've they've got a bunch of fans there. There's like an an abnormal amount of fans. They're all they've got like their shirts off and it's just crazy. It's, it's like, yeah, like Matt described it last time. It's like a college bar. And that's, that's really, that's a good analogy, honestly, because it's, it is like that. If you haven't seen it yet, um, there are some, there, there's obviously some footage today. So it's the last round of the tournament. So we'll, we'll know the winner after tonight. Um, and I, I think it's actually going on right now, but yeah, if, if you have time, um, Obviously, if you're listening to this after Sunday, then you won't be able to watch it live. But go watch some clips of it. Um, there's actually a really, really popular clip going around right now that we'll talk about um, in a little bit. But it's just, yeah, it's 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 it gets wackier and wackier every year. Like it gets more crazy and more rowdy every year. Um, so let's just talk about you know kind of the vibe and 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 how bigger crowd. And th- this is one thing that I've kind of thought about more and more as I've watched it is like. You would think that bigger crowds and cheering and stuff like that, you know, while these like the the crowd cheers while these guys are hitting sometimes, um, but nobody nobody really cares because that this is just the nature of the tournament. So, I think one thing that 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 I've kind of thought about is like, does the does the cheering and does the whole vibe of the tournament does it hinder the players or does it actually help them a little bit because they kind of get into it? I'm I'm not gonna speak on it just yet, but I'll I'll let Matt kind of take it away here. I mean, from the player's perspective, it looks like they're enjoying it, yeah. which is which is great. That's what we love to see. Because, again, we've mentioned it over and over again. Like, golf is a very specific sport. It's It, it has its own fan base. It has not much of a fan base. And it has very, you know, strict rules and, and routines and all this stuff. And the Waste Management Phoenix Open is literally just it, – it's like it's like a microcosm of, of like, just – Everything that is the antithesis of golf, right? Which is like partying and, you know, and, and making noise and being unprofessional, right? And it's like almost encouraged there. And the players play along with it. And that's the best part is like, you know, you see these guys just messing around with each other. Um, you know, Hay- Hayden mentioned the, the hole-in-one Sam Ryder. Like he, you know, he hits it, he hits a hole-in-one and it gets like beer thrown all over him. It's like you would never see this happen anywhere else. Um, and so that's that's the cool part about it. Um, but and I think that, I mean, I don't know. From what I've seen, it's like the players, intro- I, I think um, D- Joel Damon got introduced as Harris English. And they were like, whenever they introduce the players, they like go through, you know, their college and their, you know, all the stuff, their hobbies and whatever. And so they were introducing Joel Damon, who's like this guy who wears a bucket hat and he's just very like, you know, calm and whatever um or no i think he's more lively but anyway they were like saying like you went to the university of georgia loves hunting and fishing and then and he's like laughing the whole time because he's like this is not me (laughs) and then they say harris english and it's like not him and so he's just like and harris english (laughs) harris english withdrew from the tournament like he wasn't he didn't even play in the tournament and they're like introducing the wrong guy and he's just laughing along so it's like you know if that had happened anywhere else the guy would have been like you know he would have been mad or he would have been like just keeping a straight face and been like, wait till they finish it. Then they'll, you know, they'll realize and they'll, you know, do his introduction. But, you know, everybody was laughing, having a good time. Um, and so that's that's the vibe of this tournament, and it's really good. And, and so, you know, to a certain extent, would I, you know, would we like to see this at every tournament? Probably not, because I think it takes away more from the skill of the, of the, of the golfers and really how good they are. 
But we could at least kind of have some middle ground, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be a college bar every tournament, but could, it could be a little bit louder. It could be a little bit more, you know, more heart or, you know, I guess a little bit like more laughable and, and just exciting and, you know, more energetic, I think, overall, um, instead of this just very stoic and professional and quiet um, environment that we see literally every other tournament. So, um yeah, so I'm having a great time watching it, and this is basically what I said on my entire thing um, on the podcast on Tuesday was like, yo, you know, this is going to be a good thing to watch, especially since, like, you know, yeah, you have Super Bowl plans, but, you know, you're kind of in the week leading up to it. You know, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be watching a golf tournament that's, like, having, you know, people are having a ton of fun. So so those are my thoughts on it. I say, you know, to, I guess to kind of, you know, clear clarify the answer to Hayden the question – it seems like, you know, all the, you know, the booing and the cheering and the, you know, during the swing and whatever, they basically, the players are expecting it. Um, and so they kind of play along yeah. with it, which I love because in other, in other tournaments, literally we see, you know, if someone screams during a backswing or something, a player will literally have the, you know, have the authority to like pick the guy out who, who like made the noises, tell security to get the guy off the course and they're just done. And it's like, you know, that's so, I don't know. That's just so like old world. I feel like we should, you know. Yeah. I think there should be more, uh, more of in my environments like this. Uh, so yeah. So those those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, and again, I, I kind of feel the same way. It's like the the fact that the guys are kind of playing playing along with it makes it a lot better because if the if the if the golfers were kind of against the whole situation of of guy of like the crowds screaming and stuff all the time and and crowds like going crazy and, 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 and booing at other points. If, if, if they weren't playing along with it, it, yeah, it would be kind of like weird. It, it would be a little bit awkward to watch, I feel like. But the fact that they are doing that and the fact that they are kind of, you know, taking it all in and, and, and participating in the madness that that is the Waste Management Phoenix Open, that's the cool part. And I, I think that, again, like Matt said, it shouldn't be happening every tournament because, yeah, that, that does kind of take away from the whole professionalism of golf. And you, you kind of want to keep some of that that tradition there, right, where golf, used, like Matt said, golf has always been this sport that everybody thinks of, like, all the super sophisticated and super serious and, like, you know, you can't make any noise when you're on a golf course, whatever. Um, and this is the total opposite of that. And so we don't want to kind of go from one extreme to the other, um, but again, some kind of middle ground where, where guys, or I mean, where crowds can be louder at golf tournaments, but not really too loud and not too rowdy to where they're throwing beer on the course after a dude makes a hole in one. Like if, if you guys watch that clip, first of all, the, the hole that, that Sam Ryder made the hole in one on was, was hole 16. And what they did on hole 16, it's a par three. It's a really short par three. It's like 120 or 130 yards to the green. And what they did for hole 16 was they built basically like a mini stadium around around the hole. So you've got people all around. You've got people behind the tee box. You've got people watching like from behind the green, on the sides of the hole, everything like that. And it's it literally is like a, like a mini stadium. And that that's what these these guys that build. Um, our our dad actually used to have a friend, or our dad has a friend that used to or still does. Um, work at these these golf venues and he's actually he actually like participates in like the planning and the building of these of these huge venues that they have at, at golf tournaments um, that they have to build like in the in the weeks leading up to the tournaments which is really cool it's, it's something that you never really think about when you watch golf tournaments but this one in particular hole 16 um, at at this waste management phoenix open it is it there, it seats like seventeen thousand people. This little mini stadium that that they built around the whole sixteen, and 
So you've got 17,000 people watching you hit a ball on, you know, on, on a par three. And it's just like, you can literally see the, the, the camera showing the guys hitting, you know, doing their swing when, when they hit the ball, it's, it's like behind the, the camera was behind the, the, the golfers to kind of like behind the tee box. But you could literally see some golfers go up there. You could see like when they were holding their club, you could see their hands literally shaking. Like and, and that that's one thing that's kind of you never really want nerves in golf because it, it causes you to be twitchy and it causes you to kind of make changes in your swing or kind of um, you know, make sudden movements that obviously would mess up your mess up your swing. But the thing is that like these people that are these seventeen thousand people that are that are watching just you hit a ball off the tee um, on on hole sixteen, they're literally sitting like if if you've ever been to a college basketball game, you know that when the away team has the ball, the crowd kind of makes like an oh sound and they kind of just sit there like making sound or making noise. They literally did that while these guys were hitting the ball off the tee. And it's just, it's crazy. Like, all, I mean, everybody in the crowd is drunk. And so they probably don't even like care about what they're doing. But that, that atmosphere for that specific hole is just totally crazy because it's the only hole that kind of has that, has that many people watching it at one time and has that like mini stadium thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super cool to see Sam Ryder hit that hole in one because it was like, that was kind of the big question of, of the whole weekend. It was like, will somebody be able to hit, you know, hit an ace on, on this hole where 17,000 people are watching. Um, and that, that in fact is something that like nobody else in the world can ever say is like, I hit a hole in one with 17,000 people watching me at once. It's like, it's, that's, or, you know, 17,000 people watching me live. Um, that's just insane to be able to say that. Um, and yeah, and literally like if you watch a clip after, after he made it, you know, he hugged his caddy and everything like that. And you can just see like everybody start spraying beer. And then once there was one beer can thrown onto the green, there was like 5 million. It was just like raining beer cans on, onto the green, onto the course. And it was just like, that, that sucks for the people that have to clean that up. It also probably slowed down the play for the people behind Sam Ryder, um, that, that, that were getting ready to tee off because it's like, now they have to clean up all these beer cans that are everywhere. Um, and now like the, (laughs) <laughs> the the course is like is uh is, it's like beer logged basically <laughs> it's, it's instead of like being wet it's just yeah it's like wet with beer now but um yeah that that was just cool to see it's it's a really electric atmosphere and so if you have the time go look up a clip on youtube of just look up like hole 16 at the at the wm phoenix open and it'll come up um or you can look up the hole in one that's probably the best clip to look up but um but yeah, it's it's really cool thing to watch. And again, it's like if there are more golf tournaments that are kind of like this in the future, that that would be cool. But again, you you kind of want to keep some of that more traditional um, quietness and, and calmness to golf. I feel like. And the other cool thing about this tournament is that really all the star players are kind of competing for the lead, or, or at least like made the cut and and they're playing. And that's the. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the, you know, credence to the fact that this is a, a tournament that everybody wants to play and, that, you know, they want to have fun. Um, you know, like Xander Shoffley and, and Brooks Kapka, for example, they're both kind of competing for the lead here uh, as we go into Sunday. And obviously, you know, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, they all made the cut. They're like, you know, around 20th or so. But obviously anything anything can always happen in golf. So, um, yeah, so that's the other cool thing is that, you know, they're, they're, whoever wins will probably be, you know, a big star, a big name. And that's another good way to kind of, you know – just you know get get uh you know kind of get more uh you know more attention more media coverage so um 
Yeah, so that's all cool. At, right before we close this out, though, we wanted I, I got a notification on Bleacher Report. Hayden probably did too. Where it, the title is Kyler frustrated with cards, just to go back to what we said before. Yeah. And the description is Murray is embarrassed by playoff loss to Rams, and thinks he has been framed as the scapegoat. And this is pretty much what we said. Yeah. Like, this is exactly what we wow. talked about. Um. And and again, it's like you. Okay. Cool, dude. You were the quarterback of a successful NFL team. You were the leading MVP candidate. And then your team lost in the first round of the playoffs after having a lot of hope. And you guys were the ones out here saying, like, you know, look at us. Pay attention to us. Like, we're here. And if you lose, you are going to be blamed. The coach is going to be blamed. Those are the two people who get the most praise when they win. We see what's happening with Joe Burrow, right? He's getting all the praise for taking the Bengals to the Super Bowl. The Cardinals did not get taken to the Super Bowl by Kyler Murray, and so he'll get the blame. If he had gone to the Super Bowl, he would get the praise. So that just comes with the sport. And, again, that just goes back to just, like – you know, these younger players, they're just like, you know, oh, I feel so bad because, like, I'm so sad because people people were being yeah. mean to me. And it's like, you're playing football. <laughs> you are, like, one of the highest paid athletes in the entire world. You are one of the most talented people at your position. You are the best, one of the best, you know, athletes in the entire world. You sh- You got to deserve, you, like, you got to take the, the, you know, take take the crap when it comes. Um and and so that's that's kind of that's what it's like a scapegoat. No, he's not a scapegoat. He he did not play well in the in the Cardinals' loss to the Rams. He did not play. Well. If he had played better, they would have scored more points. They maybe would have won. Sure, the rest of the team, you know, the defense didn't stop. You know, didn't stop the Rams' offense. I get that, but really, nobody's been able to stop the Rams' offense. So there's that. Um, but it's also like, yeah, you you deserve blame if you played badly. And, and you know, and, and you're, you're right, like. The scapegoat. I'm like, what? Like, that's so. Yeah. So obviously, that's we were correct in our prognostication on what was going on with the Kyler Murray situation, and I, I have even less, you know, uh, patience and 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 uh, and and kind of siding with him and empathy for him uh, now that I now now that I hear that that's kind of like what we said yeah. was right and that everything that we said that was negative was even perpetuated by this news. So. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's it's sorry to say, Kyler, but there's no participation awards in professional sports. Like, you, you either play well or you don't, and you gotta. That's that's part of the reason why you're making so much money is because there's so many people watching you. You've got to be able to deal with the heat when the heat is dealt to you. Like, and when, especially when you deserve it. Like we've said, it's just like that. It makes it makes no sense why you should say. Oh, like I, I don't want to play for this team anymore because everybody's mad at me. That's it's kind of like what Ben Simmons, what happened to Ben Simmons. Like that's yeah. this is kind of panning out to be kind of, you know looking like that situation, which hopefully it won't be like that. Hopefully Kyler won't follow in in Ben Simmons' footsteps um, with that. But it's just like yeah, if you're a professional athlete, and there there's been plenty of times in the past where where quarterbacks and and just players in general, head coaches have have gotten blamed, you know, solely for for a bad loss and it's just like that happens dude not everybody's perfect um even if you had a bad stretch towards the end of the season you know maybe it wasn't just one game but a couple games that happens like people go into little slumps it happens to everybody everybody's human so again you're a professional athlete you got to deal with the consequences dude um i guess we all kind of feel bad for you in a way but it's just like not really because you sh- you shouldn't be taking it to this level is is kind of is kind of what we're trying to say to Kyler is like you can be mad and you can be upset but you yeah you shouldn't delete everything Cardinals out of your bio and and just do it that way when you haven't even really took anything up with the t- or taken a- anything up with the organization but yeah that that was actually kind of cool that we got that notification towards the end of here because we're about to end or uh, round out the the end of the episode end of the episode wow dude I can't even talk um. 
But yeah, that, that about does it for everything that we were going to talk about today. We got through our four topics. Again, kind of a mixed bag here. You guys saw the title. You guys are probably confused by the title when you first saw it because it is kind of a, um, a wide wide variety of things that we've got. But uh, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I loved doing this episode. It was it was actually a lot more substantive and a lot more fun than, um, than I kind of expected it to be. But that's just what we do here. So... Again, it is Sunday, so you guys will be hearing for us from us again in just two days, and um, we're excited to get back here on on Tuesday talk about the Super Bowl, and then finally, not finally, actually, unfortunately, be pretty much done with football's like the season part, but we'll start getting into you know head coaching. There's been some head coaching hires in the NFL that we haven't really talked about yet, and so we'll probably talk about that on Tuesday. Maybe try to get AZ on for that, um, since that's what he likes to talk about. So. So, yeah, that, that'll be fun to do. And then we're coming up on the end of the college basketball season. We keep on saying it, but we're just so excited for it. So that'll be good to get into as well. We hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Have a good time at your Super Bowl parties. Um, and then have a great great start to, to, to your week. That's what we're hoping for. So we'll catch you guys on Tuesday. Thank you guys for listening.